Do you remember when Frank T called in and asked me about my choice of system for our fantasy role-playing game? And now that Pandora's box has been opened, when are you going to tell us about Castles and Crusades? You've been going on about how that's your new game of choice for your players. Let's hear more about it. Do you want to hear my answer? Hello, Rescuers. I'm Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Frank's getting his wish today because I wanted to respond to the question, and I didn't feel like I could do it justice in just a short reply. Thus, I've decided to sit down with a few notes and and share my thoughts on why I chose Castles and Crusades for my new fantasy adventure campaign. This is Season 3, Episode 5. When I started gaming way back in the 1980s, I started with RuneQuest. Regular listeners know that I really love D100 gaming, and my game of choice actually would probably be Mithras. This game, by the design mechanism, has become a real stalwart for me, especially with the classic fantasy supplement, which emulates Gygaxian AD&D-style gaming, but with a D100 focus. I think it was back in about 2016 that I rediscovered the Redbox D&D, the BECMI edition of basic Dungeons & Dragons. And within a day or two of starting to play using the first adventure stuff from the second book, the DM book in that particular set, I decided to try soloing it with classic fantasy using the Mithras rules. And I had an absolutely brilliant time. In fact... This whole kind of experiment with Redbox going into classic fantasy led to some amazing gaming. We had a lot of fun at a gaming table on Friday nights. And it led to me getting involved with Rod Leary from the design mechanism and even writing two or three modules, two of which are currently in print. I love that game. It's a lot of fun. It has all the crunch that I want without any of the kind of, I don't know, fiddly stuff that I don't like from D&D. The problem is, it's kind of fairly crunchy. A lot of people really are scared of D100 gaming. And I've spoken about it before in a previous episode. I think the key for me is that I would love to play that game. But it might not be entirely suitable for the players I actually have at my table. Andy is a real old school gamer, but he's new to my table. He's been playing BX and rediscovering the old school kind of renaissance stuff, the OSR stuff, over the last few months. Having a good time. He's also, you know, diving into RuneQuest and all all sorts of other games. But he's new to my table. And the reason he came to my table was because I was basically offering a game of Castles and Crusades. The reason we got to Castles and Crusades is to do with who I had at the table at the time. I was trying to reboot my game for about the n millionth time. And my regular gamer, Ian, he loves D&D. But the other guy at my table at the time, Pete, really not as big a fan of D&D. And yeah, we just decided to try playing something lighter. So Mithras kind of went out the window because it's a bit crunchy. And BX, which I'd been trying with the guys at school at the time, that didn't appeal to Ian because it wasn't crunchy enough. C&C then kind of hit the sweet spot, or at least I thought it would. And in truth, I was kind of proven right. 
when that game collapsed, when Pete left, and we were left really with Andy and Ian at the table, I faced the question of what are we going to play next? At first I thought they wanted to play a science fiction game. Part of me aches to play some science fiction. But actually, Andy and Ian both love their fantasy. And whilst they're kind of open to maybe a one-shot or short adventure in a science fiction game, it's pretty clear when I was talking to them that they'd actually like to play in a long-term fantasy game. And at the table, well, I was surprised. In the run-up to our first session, our session zero, if you like, where we talked about what game to play, I was really and genuinely expecting them to choose Mithra's Classic Fantasy. Ian had mentioned it at least three times to me, and it even tried to persuade me with the previous game to switch to it. But on the night, an interesting conversation was had. We talked through Basic Expert D&D, we talked through Beckme, we talked through Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, and by that I mean 1st and 2nd edition. We talked about 3rd edition, the D20 system, and 3.5. We talked about 5th edition, and yeah, we talked about classic fantasy. The guys wanted something in the middle. They didn't want to play 5e, or at least Andy didn't want to play 5e. He's not very interested in that, and he's certainly not very interested in 3e. And even Ian agreed that 3e and you know Pathfinder and all the derivatives around that is just a little bit too heavy for their taste. Andy's already playing in an advanced Dungeons & Dragons game with 1st edition, and although Ian's first love was the 2nd edition, it kind of got discounted quite quickly. We talked about BX, and it's not crunchy enough for Ian, although it is Andy's favourite game. And then they both said the thing that kind of made me smile. You know what they said? Castles and Crusades has been a lot of fun. It's kind of light, like BX, but crunchy enough, like 2nd edition, to actually be interesting to play. And that's how we got to this point. Choosing Castles and Crusades is as much about not choosing other systems as it is about choosing that system. BX and early D&D generally, they mix mechanics. What we're looking at with Castles and Crusades is a unified gaming mechanic. The D20 system, and sort of 5e as well, they feel mm, too crunchy. I guess too many things nailed down. Too many rules, too many special things to worry about. And basically, didn't seem to be particularly Andy's cup of tea. We needed a game that Ian already owned. He simply wasn't willing to buy another game book. Playing Castles and Crusades online, for me, had led to playing Castles and Crusades on Fridays. Uh, what I mean is that I'd been playing for ooh, about six, seven months online with the Saturday Night Gamers, and I kind of knew that the game was cool. I'd been encouraged to play it, by my very, very good friend, Ted Wallerstadt. And, you know, he had been introduced to the game by Gary himself and by the guys from Trolllord Games. There was a lot for me to experience that was very, very positive. And I knew that I wanted to bring it to the table. I had brought it to the table. 
And, you know, the two things had become one. Despite a very bad finish to the last campaign with a total party kill, a TPK, and that was played using Castles and Crusades, despite all of that, the two guys really said they liked the system, and Ian actually had bought it during that campaign, and he was very happy with the acquisition. It came down to Mithras Classic Fantasy, or Castles and Crusades, and in the end, the lighter system won out. On a Friday night, the last thing the guys want to do is really wrestle with very slow combats or long combats in incredible detail when, actually, CNC offers a much quicker and faster and lighter game. Like I said, choosing Castles and Crusades was as much about not choosing other systems as it was about choosing Castles and Crusades. The first thing to say about Castles and Crusades is that it has a unified gaming mechanic. Dungeons and Dragons, the modern game, has a unified gaming mechanic. It's D20 plus a bonus versus a target number. And that comes from the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Castles and Crusades was built from the chassis of the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons. But it strips away all of the detail, and comes back to a simple, unified gaming mechanic. What I like about Castles and Crusades, about the Siege engine, which is the system that runs Castles and Crusades, what I love about it is that it's very simple, but it does something very innovative. The unified gaming mechanic in Castles and Crusades, the Siege engine, is roll d20, add a bonus from your attribute, Add your level against a target number. What's interesting is that the target number has a base of one of two different numbers. The first is a 12 plus the various challenge levels, or an 18 plus the challenge level. What makes the difference is the prime attributes. Each character has two or three prime attributes, Very much similar to the original game where, you know, a class has specialised knowledge of a particular attribute. For example, the fighter using strength. But in Castle and Crusades, the prime acts differently. It actually gives you a bonus. Effectively, a plus six bonus because prime attributes use a base for any ability check or any saving throw of 12 plus the challenge level. If you're not using a prime, it's 18 plus the challenge level. Like I said, primes give you an effective plus 6 bonus. All the rolls are made off attributes, the 6 standard attributes you'd expect from a Dungeons & Dragons style game. Saves are made off those attributes as well. And there are no skills. Classes have special abilities, and they allow certain effects, similar to other D20 games, but there are less of them, and they're far simpler. For example, the rogue, when he wants to sneak, is making a dexterity attribute roll. The other guys can't be quite as effective as the rogue at sneaking around. The whole system is built to emulate 1st edition Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. It has 13 classes seven races, and it also has the classic game feel. The spells, the magic items, the gear, 
all the trappings of the early game. They're there. But Castles and Crusades is a simple system that you can easily hack. And what I particularly liked was that Gary Gygax himself consulted on it. And that makes Castles and Crusades the last printed work that he was involved with. The guys who make it, Troll Lord Games, they call CNC the Rosetta Stone of fantasy role-playing. And I think I know why. Castles and Crusades comes with three core rulebooks, really. There's the Player's Handbook, Monsters and Treasures, and the Castle Keeper's Guide. I always think that it's a bit unfortunate they use the term Castle Keeper, but, you know, ho-hum, each to their own. The interesting thing is that as the Dungeon Master, Castle Keeper, Game Master, whatever you want to call yourself... In that role, you only really need two of those three books. You need the player's handbook and you need monsters and treasures. That's all a GM needs to play. And of course, players, you just need the player's handbook. Here are ten things that I really like about the game in no particular order. One, it's a D20 roll with a D20 roll high mechanic and I quite like that. It's intuitive. Two, it's attribute tests, and there are no skills. Three, all the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons classes, essentially, are there and revised. A cavalier becomes a knight. A few things are tweaked around, but basically it's very familiar. Four, all the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons races are revised, but you've got none of the 3rd edition and 5th edition extra stuff, you know. Well, I know Joe the lawyer calls the rubbish races although I don't think he uses the word rubbish. Humans, by the way, are absolutely great in CNC because they get three prime attributes, not just two like the other races, although, yeah, the races get special abilities. Five, it's a D10 initiative roll, and there are no modifiers to it, well, none really when you start out, and it's rolled every round. I like this. It brings the BX feel of the D6 roll, it brings all of that to the game, and I really like the randomness of initiative. Six, it has all the classic Dungeons and Dragons expectations of play. You know, life is hard, characters are basically nobodies when they start out, and it rewards clever play. Seven, treasure as XP is a core rule and basically encouraged, and I like this because I think it brings the old school style of play really to the fore. Eight, there's lots of good advice, and that's clearly touched by the kind of Gygax Arneson original spirit of the game. Nine, the writing is relatively brief and not too terse. It's nice and easy to read. It's a 190-page player's handbook, you know, in hardback and PDF, and it isn't actually anywhere near as dense as the modern 5e book. Ten, there's some really nice artwork and very good production values, my CNC rule books have stood quite a battering, actually. Nice binding. Monsters and Treasures gives you creatures to challenge the players with. I like the brief stat blocks. They're similar to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. They're more chunky than BX, but, you know, about the same as AD&D was. What I also like is that challenge level is hit dice. So, what I mean is, say you have to save versus a white. Well... 
I think that's a four hit dice creature. And so that makes it a challenge level of four. So that means you save versus a roll of 18 plus four, which is 22. Unless, of course, you have the attribute you're saving against as a prime, in which case it's 12 plus four or 16 or more to save against that white attack. I find that really simple. It's easy to remember. And, you know, it has the feeling just right. I also like the fact that creatures have either physical or mental saves, or both, or none. So there's really only four things to remember when it comes to what the creature can do. Goblins, for example, are all physical saves. I think spiritual beings will be mental saves. And it's kind of simple. That book also has lots of cool treasures. It has treasure tables, you know, classic stuff like you'd expect in the old AD&D DMG. And it has rules for intelligent items, as like you did back in AD&D as well. And all that's tidied up and made a little bit more logical, easy to read. In short, I think CNC is the most underrated RPG still in print. The Player's Handbook is in its seventh printing, but they don't do the it's a new edition thing. They tweak things a little each time they reprint, they kind of tidy up the writing, they may change the odd rule here and there, but they don't change the game, they don't change the core of the game. The Castle Keeper's Guide is not needed at all, actually, but it is very handy. It reminds me of the AD&D DMG, you know, it's kind of full of ideas, advice, options, alternatives, and, you know, various bits of inspiration, but none of the Gygax, what the F-isms, you know? It basically is clearly written, well-written, well-detailed, and accommodates a lot of different styles of play. If you're a bit more story gamey, there's some good stuff in there for you. Um, if you like a plotted adventure, it's what it kind of will help you design. But equally, if you want to play a hex crawl, well, you know, it's not hard to do that with this set of rules. Do you want critical hits? Well, in the CNC Castle Keeper's Guide, you've got seven options on how to add critical hits to your game and fumbles with them. You know, seven different ways of doing it, lots of choice. If you want spell points instead of fancy and magic, well, that's in there as well. If you want the spell slots like modern D&D, well, they've got that as well. There's loads more. You know, advantages, which are basically like extra abilities for your classes, but not as annoying as feats, not as powerful as feats. I guess what I'm trying to say is the Castle Keeper's Guide is a guide to hacking the game, making the game your own, and it shows you just how easy it is to do, along with a whole load of pre-worked out optional rules, and kind of helps you feel like you're not going to break the game. In the all, I think those three books are, you know, the heart of it. There are loads of other books, but those are just, you know, extra stuff. All in all, I find Castles and Crusades is a pretty fun game to play. The guys I game with clearly enjoyed gaming with it before, and I know they're looking forward to playing again. The guys online also seem to enjoy the game. It's not too difficult to learn. It's pretty easy to pick up, and yeah, there's not masses to remember between sessions, you know, in terms of how to learn to play your character. Fights are shorter and faster than, say, you know, 5th edition or 3rd edition of Pathfinder. They feel more like BX, you know, basic expert D&D, than they do modern D&D. But without the BX niggles, the little things that bug me, which I've written about and spoken about before. Apart from the inclusion of gnomes, which I hate, 
but you know, unfortunately, tend to end up in almost every fantasy game. Apart from them, I think it has all that I want or need, and it has plenty of space to add. So, in short, CNC is a pretty fun game to play. Can I ask you a favour? This podcast is all about helping lapsed gamers find a route back to the gaming table. And I've shared some interesting suggestions about that over the past two seasons. Please remember to favour or otherwise bookmark this podcast in whatever podcast app you're using. On top of that though, please consider leaving a positive note or recommendation so that others can see that Roleplay Rescue is worth a listen. I hope you don't mind me asking, yet without you, my listeners, I can't hope to reach all those lost souls on my own. Thanks. So where does that leave us? Well, Castles and Crusades is a robust, easy-to-play, easy-to-prep, fast-playing game, and it's in the old-school tradition. Arguably, it's the first OSR game, really. It was released in 2004, before Osric. There is a low entry bar for CNC. It's the player's handbook plus monsters and treasures if you're the DM, and just the player's handbook if you're a player. There are loads and loads of extra books if you want worlds, if you want more monsters, adventures, campaign ideas, whatever it is. In particular, I would recommend the Adventurer's Backpack for the pre-designed and practical equipment buys. Basically, there's a whole load of packs that are pre-designed, including their cost and their weight and all that sort of stuff, and it makes for a speedier equipment choice when you're creating a character. The book itself actually has more classes, and they're very cool, and many optional rules. There's more magic, there's more magic items. Oh, I could go on. The Adventurer's Backpack, yep, that's a really good second extra buy. It's almost like a second player's handbook. But the player's handbook itself, well, that's just $30 for the hardback from Trollord Games. Trollord Games have it at $10 in PDF as I sit and record this, although, you know, it can fluctuate. All in all, CNC is a solid game and it's at a good price. And it's been in print since 2004. That's 15 years. How many RPGs have been in print for 15 years? without changing edition. Hey, Jay, it's Vance Atkins calling in, catching up on my podcast after taking some time off. So this is an old, regarding an older episode, but back on your one, a few back on escapism and such. Um, there's a lot to unpack in there, and I'm going to need to re-listen that one. Anyway, um, and... I think it goes for not just us old gamers, but everybody else. And I think this one's one that could be shared around. So really appreciate it. Also, I dropped you a message through MeWe there on some a YouTube recommendation. So um, take a look at that. Let me know what you think. Talk to you later. Have a great day. Bye. Mr. Atkins. Thank you, Vance, for calling in. It's really good to hear from you. And finally, you get your surname as well. <laughs> now I can credit you properly as one of my patrons. Anyway, I'm being silly and uh, kind of drifting from the point. 
I'm really glad you enjoyed um, Series 3, Episode 1, Escaping the Grind. You have to understand that that is the um, least popular episode, not only of Series 3, but actually ever. I barely scraped 100 listens to that episode, and uh, it amazes me in a lot of ways. I kind of find that hard to understand. But I guess, yeah, it's not about gaming per se, is it? It's about you know escapism and what that means and maybe just maybe it's a little bit too deep for a lot of people i don't know what i do know is i appreciate the fact that you've called in and sort of let me know that you found it useful and that you like i think two or three other people have said this to me it it, it's an episode you need to listen to again um and and that's i guess the sign of an episode that has depth and perhaps value I know that the biggest value for me was in kind of preparing it, writing it, recording it. And I needed to put it out there. And so maybe your word, your encouragement here can encourage those who haven't yet had you know, have a listen to, you know, have a listen. Because, yeah, well, it's what I enjoyed doing. Anyway, I'm blithering, so I'm going to shut up. Uh, Vance, thanks so much for calling in. And I'm glad that you're back and listening. And I wish you all the very best. Oh, uh, and thanks for the YouTube recommendation as well. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Cheers. So, that's another Roleplay Rescue episode in the bag, and I hope you enjoyed it. Big thank you to Frank Turfler and Van Atkins for their call-ins. Thank you also to the amazing Roleplay Rescue Patreons who support the show through their generous donations and encouraging words. Mark Graham... Tim Shorts, Frank Turfler, Ray Otis, Brian Miller, Jeffrey Collier, Spencer Game, Jason Hobbs, Richard Fraser, Matt Jackson, Darren Green, Glenn Robinson, Edwin King, Peter Skeynes, Christian Richards and Vance Atkins. Thank you, all of you. Last, but by no means least, thank you, the listener, for grabbing this episode and giving it a listen. Without you guys catching the podcast and lending me your ears there really wouldn't be any point in my doing it. So thank you. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue and tap on the messages button to leave yours. Honestly, I'm constantly jealous of how many calls people make to other Anchor shows and so I am begging you, please don't hesitate to share your thoughts on this or any other episode unless it's a negative thought, and then you can not call in. But if it's a nice thought, yeah, I'd like to hear it. You can also drop comments onto the Roleplay Rescue pages on MeWe or Facebook. Just search for Roleplay Rescue on those social media platforms, and you can follow the pages with an easy click. You can even email me via hello at rpgrescue.com. In April, you'd be interested to know we blew through 50 followers on Facebook, and in May, the MeWe page smashed through 100 followers. Thank you, every one of you. Finally, don't forget you can find us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash RPG Rescue. I'm Che Webster. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next weekend with another episode of Roleplay Rescue. Game on!